Ho, 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 I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. And it turns out now you can, without even having a link, you can search on WDMA and LinkedIn brings it up as a group. And so if you want to know about our fun adventures that we have, because yesterday we had an excellent one, uh, it doesn't show up so good, but there we are. <laughs> We had lots of fun and big Zoom, uh, biggest ever, and uh, so go on on LinkedIn and go WDMA, search for that. It's not the Window and Door Association, Marketing Association, it's the Wisconsin Direct Marketing Association, but we're thinking of changing it to World, because we had a couple of different countries represented, and people from all over the country were represented, and we had a couple of registrations from even overseas. I think we got it queued up. Here we go. And mistletoe, he brings a gift. Here comes a guy with Dunkin' Donuts. Mistletoe. Don't you just love Dunkin' Donuts around the holidays? Next, Chevy Chase turns on the holidays. Let me see if I can pause this. Chevy Chase. Uh, network television premiere. Christmas vacation. Okay. So this is uh, like the 80s or 70s or something. And it's so fun to watch these commercials because they're so different. And, and they're actually funny. And some of them are sexy. And it's just a really, it's a different world. Um, if you if you didn't grow up in that world, you might want to <laughs> might want to visit old TV commercials and just see how far we've come with the digital revolution and taking the fun out of most everything. But let's get over to the news. Okay, sorry if I scared you there. Okay, let's get here go over to PDF. Google reveals Chrome's third-party phase out date from Lori Sullivan, Media Post, and on January 4th, Google will start rolling out tracking protection to 1% of Google's users globally. Okay, it will restrict cross-platform or cross-site tracking by default. So it's set, the default is that it's turned off unless you want people to track you. And, and you know, this is something that Apple did, and uh, only 14% of people turned it back on. You know, said, well, we want the ad people to track us. We want people to... Give us personalized content. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. But no, it didn't. That didn't happen. It was. It, it may be down significantly more. I'd like uh, Lori. We should look this up. I'll I'll make a note to write to you. Um. Anyway, so you there are there are there are websites that may need this. These embedded solutions are often re reliant on a combination of iframes and cross-domain third-party cookies to supply authentication and authorization and cannot be made to operate under a single domain. Okay, so there are applications you may be using, and they may stop working. If you're one of the 1%, um, it's going to be rolled out around the world. Um, and, you know, the... The applications are going to have to fix it. You may lose some stuff. Okay. Um, Bill Simons, vice president of uh, for product at the Trade Desk, um, a DSP with an opposing view, 
said that Google's privacy sandbox was the anti-moonshot. In other words, there were people who were who were complaining about why are we spending money going to the moon? What's the point of it? Of course, we all know now that Velcro was invented as a part of the moon project and many other, I think Tang was promoted heavily as the drink on the moonshot. I mean, what would we do without Tang and Velcro? Anyway, but there were people who were against it and still are today. <laughs> um, but Bill believes that Sandbox will obscure the identity data about individual users and make it more difficult to coordinate advertising across devices and measure and optimize performance. And I can hear the tears dropping on the keyboards all around me. <laughs> Do you think anyone cares? It doesn't seem like Google cares. Google just is trying to get serious about privacy. And on the same note, Lori Sullivan also published just today, Google to block location data mining in maps. Okay, so it turns out that your phone spies on you, and not only does it spy on you, but it can take that, it sends that data right up to the, up to the uh, cloud, whatever that is. And so it can track where you've been uh, in your car. That's why on spy movies, they always throw the, the, the victim's phone out the window of the car. <laughs> And make sure that it they're not tracked through their phone. Okay. Um, also, there are warrants that can be issued. So storing maps on Google's working on storing map user history location data on the device rather than the cloud. You know, when it first got started, Phones didn't have much storage on them. Now they got tons. You can store movies and all kinds of stuff, and I have lots of them there. Uh, this change will make it more difficult for anyone, including law enforcement, to access the data. Okay, and it makes it more difficult to to do the geofencing. My guess is so. There's a feature called Timeline that was instituted in the summer of 2015. You know, I was. I thought it'd be really fun. I, I did this on Google Earth for a while. I'm not sure if it still works, but I tracked some of the vacations that we went on and some of the places we visited. And you could zoom in and find the hotel and everything. You know, takes a little bit. And I tagged them all. So I have a, I have a uh, record on Google Earth that shows some of the favorite places I've visited. It's pretty cool. Um, and in 2015, we went to Italy, and you could see, it used to be, you could see the whole, you could see from when we left Chicago and flew across the pond, and uh, and when we got there, and uh, all the places we visited, it's pretty cool. Okay, the feature must be turned on manually and is by default, and is off by default. Okay, this new Map tracking is going to be turned off. The tracking on the cloud is going to be uh, off by default. The, the Google Maps timeline had to be turned on manually. I don't know if mine's turned on or not anymore. I, I could look it up. Um, the change comes several months after a Bloomberg Businessweek article found police increasingly used warrants to obtain search and location data. 
This practice has been going on for many years. It just took a search warrant and lots of waiting for Google, Meta, and other platforms with location information to release the data to police. Okay. Uh, the update also changes the reset from 18 months to three months. This is why I went to Google Earth instead. Um, deleting, you can also delete activities such as searches, directions, visits, shares, um, and shares will come easy within a few taps. The delete feature will roll out on Android and iOS in the coming weeks. Um, privacy advocates are also concerned about something called reverse keyword search warrant, where police can ask a technology company to provide data on people who have searched for a given term. You know, for example, you might be curious about how to make an atomic bomb or something else, you know. I watch lots of, of do-it-yourself videos uh, on how to make things that uh, you wouldn't think about, like masking fluid for watercolor you can make with deodorant bars. <laughs> Who knew, right? I knew there had to be an alternative to rubber cement. Um, so anyway, uh, now apparently they could ask who searched on this term, which is always why I'm careful what I search on, okay? Search queries can be extremely sensitive, and especially because Google rarely gets what you want, and, you know, it doesn't really work. So you know that, that just the term itself is not necessarily indica indicative of your context or your intention. Okay, here's an article by Joanne Gore. It's quite long, 8 to 11 minutes. Joanne was on the, on the Jingle Mingle yesterday and uh, a good contributor. The style consultant said I should do more work with Joanne. Also, whatthethink.com gave me permission to access this because it was blocked because I'm not a subscriber, so that was kind of them. Um, but Joanne has been involved with customer communications management. And there's an organization called Explore uh, that was founded in 1981 and are experts at designing, producing, implementing, delivering, and managing high-volume, highly regulated, and highly personalized communication across all channels in all formats. Mainly, their focus has been over the years, bills and statements on a monthly basis. Anyway, um, look like a real number. I'll have to look. Um, they are essentially variable data mavericks. Okay, and um, but it's not clear that they use it a lot for marketing. Um, one of my very first clients was the Hudson Bay Company, and they hired us to build a big database, which we did on a on a PC Pentium, 250 million. 250 million transactions were put through one of the first Pentiums ever on the market back in about 1995. No one believed we could do it. Microsoft actually hired us to find out how we did it. <laughs> we worked with, uh, with Borland back in those days. But anyway, so Joanne is saying that this kind of technology is, is making more and more headway and allows us greater and greater personalization. Now, where I part with most personalization is that most merchants, 
most companies don't keep very much information on their customers. Maybe because it's blocked, maybe because they're trying to do third party. Um, you know, and I've, I've shared before that the, for example, ESPN asks me which sports teams and personalities I'd like to follow, but then they serve up all kinds of sports that I couldn't care less about. You know, like women's field hockey. It's just not on my radar. Not even regular hockey. They serve that up too. Men's NHL, I don't follow. You know, I just, it's not something I'm interested in. Um, Much better would be a, or in addition to my preferences, what I prefer, it would be great to to ask me what I don't want to see. Because a vast majority of what they put up in their in my feed is things I couldn't care less about and um, you know if you're going to sell advertising wouldn't you want to know that right um, back in the very very early days of Land's End's data of Land's End's website they had a, a the ability to load your they gave the customer the ability to load your sizes sizes and things and you could actually search the the on sale and liquidated items by your size. I just never see that anymore. I never see, and they changed it. Uh, you you can see what's on sale, but inevitably it's not in your size or it's not in a color you like, and it's just endless putts. Um, and often, uh, Joanne will go on to say, that we want to have consistent, she spends a lot of time on multi-channel versus opti-channel. Multi-channel is the idea that we want to be everywhere for everyone. We want to give you the opportunity to find us, maximize reach. Opti-channel, on the other hand, is about precision, and it's about focusing on how I'd like to be talked to. No one does. No one pays any attention. Uh, Even the ESPN, back to them, uh, they have a wonderful little button called Scores on the phone. Scores. It's not on their app. It's not on their website. There's no scores button. What the scores button does is it shows me only the scores of the teams I'm interested in. And it's just excellent for finding out if there's a game tonight. You don't have to wade through anything. So I use ESPN on my phone for scores. That's it. Now, if you actually follow a game, they put up, they've been putting up an ad for Etsy. I've tried five, six, seven, eight times to tell them I don't want that ad anymore. <laughs> I've seen it. It's irrelevant to me. It's a little bit, it's weird looking ad. And I've tried to block it. I've tried to say I'm not interested. Nobody cares. It's wonderful. It's wonderful how with all the talk about precision and and preferences that the biggest marketers totally ignore it. They ignore my size, which I'd love to give them so I could shop more efficiently. They don't show me things I don't want to see. Sorry. Anyway, so it, like I said, it's a long article. Joanne says that the key is to know your audience. Well, you know, I did work for the North American Fishing Club, and they wanted to hire me to figure out what fish someone would fish for by zip code because when I when I started working with them I joined their organization and apparently they sent me a book which I sent right back I didn't even remember getting it to be honest a couple months later I said I don't think I got a book and they said well where do you live and I said in Wisconsin 
And they said, well, you'll get the walleye book. Walleye fishing is famous in Wisconsin. I don't like fishing for walleyes. I've traveled all the way up into Canada to fish for walleyes. They don't fight. They don't, they just lay there. If you catch them and, and, and you don't even get to wind your reel, really, you just drag the bait across the bottom and the walleyes pick it up gently and, uh, and then you drag them in like you're exactly like you're pulling in a log. They're very good eating, <laughs> very, very good, but they're no fun to catch. And I said, and they said, well, we send that book based on where you live. And I said, huh, my next door neighbor goes to Costa Rica to fish. That's where he likes to fish on the west coast of Costa Rica, deep sea fishing. My other neighbor likes to go to Ohio, and he does do walleye fishing. I ha I personally like bass fishing, and I like panfish fishing off the pier, but I also like the west coast of Florida snook fishing. I said, I got an idea for you. Instead of trying to model and figure out this data based on stuff that you don't really know for sure, why don't you ask your new members, what's your favorite fish to fish for? Bass, walleyes, catfish, other whatever, carp. <laughs> anyway, so we try to catch up all these scraps of information with very little understanding. Modern consumers crave personalization, but you literally don't give it to us. Even the most obvious solutions are not implemented. And instead, we want marketers to try and figure it out. No. And I have yet to see ever a case study, a good solid case study with holdouts and controls that shows the value of personalization in the context of its cost. Okay? With Musician's Friend, we tried for 18 months, and we did it on the basis of of musical instruments they bought. So we knew knew who had a beginning guitar versus an expensive guitar. We knew who was a drummer instead of a guitar player. It worked. We got higher response, but it was so much trouble. So send me a case study. And uh, the style consultant says that Joanne and I should work together. So I'm, for 2025, I'd like to see, 2024, I'd like to see some quality tests with people who are doing this opti-marketing. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.